How many remember these things? That's called a CD, and they're not that old, but you have to go back a ways to, to uh, find a CD. Maybe you have still some kicking around your house, or I have a CD player that would play them. Before the CD was the cassette tape. How many remember the cassette tape? Well, these replaced the cassette tape and ultimately replaced the LP vinyls that you would play on your recorded on your um, on your device, and if it had a scratch onto it, it would skip, and you'd have to turn it over to listen to side B, and, and that's going way back. And then after this, well, the CDs just kind of disappeared. But in 2013, a church called St. Peter's in Sussex, England, decided that they were going to make a musical CD or a CD and release, release it to the general public. So anyone in the church could buy one, anyone in their town could buy one, and actually they went around the world. You, you're probably wondering, well, what kind of CD did they make? They made the Sound of Silence CD. It was 28 minutes of nothing. <laughs> it had two minutes, which had the beginning, a commentary at the beginning telling you what you were going to experience. Then it had 28 minutes of silence, and at the end, they would conclude with a word of prayer or just thank you for buying this CD, and that was it. They went around the world, these things did. I can't imagine. The, the reviews were mostly positive. Someone said, it's nice, it's quiet and peaceful. You don't say, 28 minutes of just nothing, it's quiet and peaceful. One newspaper reported said, it's 30 minutes of absolutely nothing. Wow. You know what, to be honest with you this morning, I wish I had thought of producing a CD of silence. You know, we may not have a mortgage on our building right now if I had thought of this, of just of selling CDs that had 28 minutes of nothing on them. Whoever decided this was a smart person. But in all seriousness this morning, what am I actually trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that silence is something that is extremely valuable and yet severely lacking in our noisy world. It is extremely valuable, but it is severely lacking in our noisy world. In the world, of, uh, in the world of words, there is an unspoken expectancy to respond to everything and everyone. If someone says something, there's something within us that kind of boils up and we go, I need to respond to that. And we just respond to anything and everyone. Silence doesn't even seem to be an option in our menu. We don't have a menu for silence. Many of us struggle to find the silence or the mute button. And if we did find it, we probably wouldn't want to push it anyways. Because there's this there's this almost satisfaction within us that we, if we can respond to everyone and everything, we feel like there, I have contributed by speaking to this. The overusage of words in our world today is partially the result of a thirst for knowledge and a desire to express our thoughts and a desire to express our opinion to everyone and everything. If you don't believe me, spend a few moments on social media. How many are on social media? I'm sure many of us, or not all of us in this room and watching online, are part of social media world, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or some other social platform. eMarketeer concluded a survey several years ago that, that um, discovered that a North, America spend, a North American person, the average North American person, spends five and a half hours a day on social media platforms. Five and a half hours a day. And half of the five and a half hours, are you're on your mobile device on a social media platform. In a survey conducted by Baylor University, they discovered that female students, I'm not picking on you ladies, this was their study, 
using the use of their cell phones, and they discovered that, that females at the Bayer, Baylor University were using their phones 10 hours a day, many of which was off of their smartphones. There is a strong desire within us that is often borderline unhealthy to freely express our thoughts and opinions to those who are in our social circles. If you don't believe me, again, go on social media. Everybody is expressing what they think and what they feel to everyone in their social circle. Let me challenge you with this thought this morning. Just because you can post something on social media does not mean you should post something on social media. Let me go a step further. Just because you can say something doesn't mean that you should say something. Are you okay, church? Just because you're in a situation where you can respond and say something doesn't mean necessarily that you should respond and say anything at all. Yes, I acknowledge there is a danger to not saying anything. It can often be misinterpreted or seem confusing or judgmental, or sometimes it even seems like you are in agreement, or the person will interpret it as an agreement. You are in agreement because you haven't respond, responded or said anything. But on the other hand, there is the danger of saying way too much. And honestly, I think that we have more of a problem of saying way too much than saying not enough in our culture today. We have a problem of saying way too much rather than not saying enough. I strongly believe that the toxic nature of our society is fueled by our perceived gift or constitutional right to respond to everything and everyone. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think because it is my right to tell you exactly what I think. Just because you can doesn't mean you should do that. For the, first, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at how words create worlds, and this is week number three, which was actually supposed to be last Sunday, but somebody didn't show up last Sunday to deliver this, and so it's one week later. But to kick off our discussion today, for, for those of you who are not in the know, I was sick last Sunday and couldn't be here. To kick off our discussion today, we need to start with this question right here. What type of world would be created with no words? Think about that this morning. What kind of world would be created with no words? Now, I know some of you in this room and perhaps watching online, the, uh, online this morning, you're thinking, what a blissful world. No words? Like that is as close to heaven as you can get. There's, uh, I, I, it's silence. Like that is heaven. And there's other, others of you in this room going, that is the most horrible thing I can imagine. Like, that's pure torture, not to be able to express myself in words or hear other people express themselves in words. That doesn't sound like much of a world that I want to be part of. But according to Solomon, to answer that question, we discover this. According to Solomon, no words would create a world of what? Well, wisdom. It would create a world of wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been our resource book. Um, through this series, we've been looking at various verses that Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, and we're doing the same again today. And Solomon expresses this thought on silence in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. He said, too much talk leads to sin. 
Let's say that all together, church. Too much talk leads to sin. There is someone in the back row that needs to hear that again. Let's say it again. Too much talk leads to sin. I'm just joking about being in the back row needing to hear that again. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. At first, it seems like Solomon's words are highly offensive and abrasive. Solomon, what are you saying? That, that's, pretty, that's pretty abrasive. Too much talk leads to sin. And, and to be sensible, you're telling me, he's, he's basically saying, I need to shut up. How many remember the philosophy of parenting a few years ago where you would raise your children with this philosophy? You are to be seen and not... Do you, are you familiar with that one? You are to be seen and not heard. When we have company over, you are to be seen but not heard. We want you to behave. You are not to, to speak. You're not to address. That was the parenting philosophy. Some parents still have that philosophy today. Uh, we never did. You would know our children were in the room when they were growing up. But that's exactly what Solomon is saying here in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. He is saying too much talk leads to sin. He's saying you need to be seen, not heard. You're with me, right, church? He's saying you to be seen, not to be heard, because too much talk leads to sin, and you need to be sensible. And how do you be sensible? Well, you keep your mouth shut, he said. On the surface, it seems highly abrasive. If you told me that statement and said, well, Pastor Scott, I, I'm not going to quote Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. I'm just going to tell you, this is, these are my words. You talk too much, it leads to sin, you need to keep your mouth shut. That's highly abrasive. Like, those are fighting words. But once you start to dig into um, what Solomon is saying here in chapter 10, verse 19, you'll discover that he was articulating how words lead to trouble because there is no restraint. That's a little different. He is saying here in, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, he's saying words lead to trouble when there is no restraint. In fact, Solomon discusses the consequences of talking too much eight chapters later when he says this in Proverbs 18.6, fool's words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. And then he said in verse 7, the mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. So Solomon is saying here, in essence, in, in Proverbs chapter 18, 6 and 7, loose lips or careless words, unnecessary rants, Lead us to traps and thrashings and destruction that is totally avoidable if we used fewer words with restraint. Oh, Solomon goes so far as to say fools are the ones who are unable to restrain themselves. Fools are, are the ones who are unable to restrain their words. Ed Stetzer made this observation about Proverbs. He said, no one sees themselves as the fool in the book of Proverbs. No one sees themselves as the fool in the book of Proverbs. If you've ever read the book of Proverbs, have you ever thought, that's me, I'm that fool? No, but I'm, I would guarantee you as you read the book of Proverbs and you see where, Prover where Solomon is saying, and this fool does this, you're probably thinking, yeah, that's, I know that person. That's not me, but I know who that is. 
Trust me, I have had times in my life where I've gone off on a rant and looked like a fool when I thought I was the wisest person in the room. And never once did I think in that moment of time, I was the fool. Nope. I felt completely justified in setting the fool straight. Who was not the fool, I was the fool. What about you this morning? If I'm being transparent about how foolish I am at some times and how I'm a fool, what about you? Are, are you willing to admit that sometimes you're the fool that Solomon is writing about in Proverbs chapter 18? Thank you for your honesty. Have you ever created quarrels and suffered destruction or been trapped because of your words, not anybody else's words, your words? Let me offer you this element of surprise this morning. It's not really an element of surprise, but it comes out of the book of Proverbs. I believe this strongly, that unless we are willing to admit that sometimes we are the fool using the words, we will only continue to create a world of quarrels and ruin. Unless we can get down to the very core of things and go, yes, I'm the problem, we will only continue to speak few words that create worlds of destruction and chaos and heartache. Unless we are able to admit ourselves, I am the fool. I am the one who has used words in an inappropriate manner that's led to some inappropriate things, that's led to destruction in people's lives. I'm the person Solomon is writing about. You see, we were created for so much more than being fools. Amen? We were created for so much more than to be the ones that use foolish words. We were created, we were redeemed by Jesus at the cross for so much more than being a fool or using foolish words. The skill of learning when to be silent, I will admit, it is tricky. When to know when to speak and when not to speak. When to be silent and when to use words. It's a tricky, it's a fine line. There is something within us that we always want to speak words that always happen to be words that we speak at the wrong time and the wrong place. When we think they're at the right time and the right place and they're not. One Sunday morning a pastor apologized for the band-aid on his face. He said, I apologize for this band-aid. I was thinking about my sermon while I was shaving my face this morning, and I cut myself, and that's the reason for the band-aid. Well, after the service, the pastor was given a note from an anonymous person that said this next time, think about your face when you're shaving and cut the sermon. <laughs> Just for the record, I am not accepting any anonymous letters after this service. Solomon communicates there is a time to speak and there is a time to be silent. And in our text this morning, he is communicating that there is a healthy skill that every one of us in this room can develop within our life when it comes to words. In chapter 21, Proverbs 21, 23, he writes this, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Say that with me, church. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of what? You'll stay out of trouble. Watch your tongue was not a call to stand in front of the mirror 24-7 all day long watching a muscle between your upper and lower jaw. That's not what Solomon is writing here in this chapter. 
The Hebrew word for watch actually can be translated into this word, guard. Guard your tongue. Guard or protect your words is to guard and protect yourself and your soul. In some ways, it might be easier to literally watch our tongue in a mirror than to try to guard our words and our soul from evil and sin and destruction. I personally can say that, that I feel that it would be easier for me to watch my tongue sometimes than to guard my soul and tongue from evil and sin and destruction. How do we watch and guard our tongue? Well, in chapter 17, 27 and 28, Solomon writes this. He said, a truly wise person uses what? Few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. He then goes on to say this in verse 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths mouth shut, they seem intelligent. Solomon pushes for the importance of restraining our words and discovering this new thing he's talking about, silence. In light of the importance of guarding our words and practicing restraint with silence, perhaps we should take a few moments to discuss this question this morning and jump off of this question into a few points. How does a person live in the wisdom of silence? How does a person live in the wisdom of silence? Well, let me suggest a couple of things coming out of Solomon's writings in the book of Proverbs. First of all, he says, avoid unnecessary words. Say that with me, church. Avoid unnecessary words. Solomon was pretty clear on using too many words. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. What does Solomon say? He writes, too much talk leads to... Come on, you can say it. I know it. I know it might hurt you, but too much talk leads to... Sin, that's what he writes in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. Too much talking unnecessarily will lead to sin. Solomon had figured out that if we talked too much, there was a high probability that we would inevitably say something that would be undesirable or destructive or damaging. Let me use this example. Our boys, when they were younger, played this game. It was a stupid game, but they played it nevertheless. And they would make a statement. It was a rhyme. So they would rhyme something, and the other son would have to rhyme another statement to add to that statement. And so you had these rhyming statements kind of building on top of each other, and you had to do it as quickly as possible. Like, there was no delay. One would do it, the, fo- the second would follow, the third, uh, they would just flip back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and finally, they would say something that would not impress their parents. They would say something that was not proper. It was not even, we were just that close to punishment. It was the game of quickly thinking back and forth with no restraint. They were just unnecessary words. They just kept going on and on and on until it always happened every time. We were like, boys, enough of this stupid game. Because they always said something that was not proper or was not that nice. Solomon had figured out that if we say too much, there is this high probability that we will inevitably say something that is uh, is undesirable and damaging. Solomon said, he said it in Proverbs chapter 10, words, too many words, can lead to what? To sin. The word restraint or 
to be sensible that Solomon uses in verse 19 was known in the Arabic community as weaning or restraining a young goat from nursing a mother's milk. By tying a wooden a piece of wood in the, in the mouth of the young goat, that would prevent the young goat from actually sucking on the, the mother so that the, the goat couldn't nurse anymore. And so this is how they trained the young goats to not nurse, but to start drinking water and eat proper food, or not proper food, but, but you know more nutritional food that would allow the little baby goat to grow up to be a big goat, which would probably be a pain in somebody's you-know-what, because goats are like that. But that's how... You didn't need that information. See, the too many words leads to what, right? <clears throat> so they would put this piece of wood in the young goat's mouth to restrain it from nursing. So how does that translate into our world? What, what am I talking about? That we all need to go around with this piece of wood in our mouth? Like, what are you saying, Pastor Scott? It translates this way. There is a great need in our life to allow the Holy Spirit to be our filter, to be the piece of wood in our mouth, to be our filter as we, streak, as we seek to restrain ourselves from childish words and childish ways. So the piece of wood in our mouth that is the restraint that is used in a young goat's life to restrain it from nursing, if that piece of wood in our mouth is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us and gives us the process and the ability to to hear words, to respond in a way that is God-honoring and is Christ-honoring and is words that are dripping with His grace. James wrote this. He said in James chapter 1, 19 verses into his book, he writes, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Say this with me. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. And slow to get angry. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now what you don't see, which I should have done for for visual effects, is that I should have put a lot of space between listen and slow to speak. Like there is a lot of space there. They don't flow together. It's not you immediately hear what somebody is saying and you immediately reply. That's not what James is saying. He's saying that there is a space there. And in that space between when you are hearing what someone is saying and you are trying to figure out how to respond, that is where the filter of the Holy Spirit comes into your life and allows you to process in your mind and in your heart, how will I respond? So that's the slow to speak. The slow to speak is not that you have a a, a disability in responding to someone through language. No, that slow to speak means that you are processing through the help of the Holy Spirit how to respond to someone that is Christ-honoring, God-honoring, and in a way brings health and hope, not destruction and devastation. So let me ask you this question this morning. Are you good at listening? And if you are good at listening, are you good at processing by the Holy Spirit to responding in honorable ways? Someone once said this, never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought. If you don't get anything else this morning, take that one down, like mark it down. I don't believe in tattoos, but you could even tattoo that one on your, on your arm somewhere. Never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought. 
Jesus offered this warning on the importance of avoiding unnecessary words. He said in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be what? Good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And then in verse 34, he goes on to say this, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Jesus is saying it's impossible. If you are evil and have an evil heart, you can't speak good and right. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Then he said this in verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And then he said in verse 36. And, and I tell you this, you must give an account. Let's say that together this morning. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you what? You speak. And then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 37. The words you say, the words that you use in this life, will either acquit you or will do what? Or condemn you when you stand before Christ on judgment day. In this teaching, we discover this, that what we say is extremely important. Amen? That is why it is so important in the processing part of it uh, so that when we hear the words, we process with the, hope, with the help of the Holy Spirit what to say so that when we respond, it is in a God-honoring, Christ-honoring way so that when we stand before Jesus, we can go, no, I took the time to process Jesus with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. It was all good. Versus, I heard it, and before the person was done saying what they were saying, I responded, and I set them straight with some words, Jesus, that were, yeah, Jesus is going to say, let's talk about that. We will give an account for every word that we say. We need to avoid unnecessary words, because someday there will be a payday for the words that we use in this life. Do you believe that, church? Because it is true. How does a person live out, wisdom of, uh, live out the wisdom of silence? Well, first of all, avoid unnecessary words. Second of all, what, this is what we discover from Solomon this morning. Listen with a closed mouth. Say it with me. Listen with a closed mouth. I believe our inability or lack of desire to listen to other people is directly correlated to our mouth using too many words. Our inability to listen to other people is directly, directly related to our mouth using too many words. Has anyone ever said to you, after they were done talking and rambling on and on and on, ever been in one of those conversations? They're going on and on and on and on and on and on, and, and at the end they go, you weren't listening. You ever been in that conversation before? Have you ever poured out your heart, laid it out on the table, and you were just pouring out all of the things that are going on in your life, and, and you look at the person, and they're whistling and looking at the stars. And you go, you were not listening to what I was saying. Norman Wright once said this. He said, listening intently with one mouth shut is a basic communication skill needed in relationships. And I, I wish I could give that advice to everyone in every relationship. Listening intently with our mouth shut is a basic communication skill needed in relationships. Lord, help us to do that. Amen? 
In 2013, Nelson Mandela communicated this truth concerning words. He said, it is never my custom to use words lightly. And 27 years in prison have done nothing to us. It, it, it was to use the silence of solitude to make us understand how precious words are and how real speech is and its impact on the way people live and die. That's a powerful statement. In, in the New Testament, we discover Jesus at a very critical moment in his life and in his ministry journey. He has been in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has been arrested. He is now before a kangaroo court of, of religious leaders. And he is in this courtroom. And this is what we find in Matthew 26, verse 59. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. In verse 60. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward, and in verse 61, this is what they said. This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Verse 62. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? In verse 63. Say this with me. But Jesus remained Jesus remained silent. I don't know about you, but there is so much. If I was Jesus, I could have said in that moment. And he says nothing. He's silent. In this kangaroo court with charges that are not true, false accusations, they're having trouble finding people who will testify against the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ so that they can crucify him. He's in this courtroom I call it the kangaroo courtroom. And he says nothing. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God. Uh-oh. He invoked the name of the living God. So Jesus is now going to have to do something. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And here's what Jesus said in verse 64. Jesus replied, you have said it. And in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. That day is going to come. And if you're watching what's taking place in the world and following along in your Bible, it's lining all up. Jesus was living out the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And as he stood in the room under the magnifying glass of religious leaders, there was so much more Jesus could have said in that moment. What if you were Jesus in that moment? I, I would have said, you know what, boys, let's start talking about everybody's sin now. And I would have said, well, you did this on this day and did that on that day and just going around the room. But Jesus just stands before his accusers in silence. Jesus knew the power of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And Jesus knew the power of listening with a closed mouth. And when he did respond with words... They were truthful and accurate and divine and informative for both Jesus and everyone else in the room. If you were standing on trial today, hours from a verdict and a well-known execution that was going to take place, how would you have responded? I know we often rant and rave rather than listen. We might have even kicked and screamed and punched in that room to try to escape. But Jesus stood there and listened. 
with his mouth shut. How can anyone live in the wisdom of words? Well, you could try producing a CD of 28 minutes of nothing, playing it on a daily basis and see if that helps. Or we could do something else. We could avoid using unnecessary words. We could close our mouth, reflect on what we're hearing, pray to the Holy Spirit to help us respond in a God-honoring way that brings life and hope to those who are around us rather than words of destruction. God is good, amen? If you went to a doctor with a mole on your face and that mole had some hairs into it, it was ugly. Anybody ever watched The Little Rascals? There's a famous line in that movie where uh, one of the little guy goes, you have a mole and it has hairs in it. This is funny. But you have that kind of mole. You know, everybody looks at it. You know it's there. You want to get rid of it. You go to the doctor and you go, doctor, you know, I, I need this gone. Can you help me out? The doctor says, yeah, no problem. Come next, next uh, week, you come to the Valley Regional Hospital up at amb- Ambulatory Care. Um, we'll, we'll take care of that. It won't take long at all. And you won't even know that you had a mole on your face. Perfect. You show up, go through all the process, you lay down on the table. The doctor says, you know what, I'm just going to freeze this. You're going to feel it for a few moments, but I'm going to just freeze in a couple of different spots around the mole so that there'll be no pain. You won't even feel me cutting it. And so he freezes, and you're laying there going, well, this isn't too bad. And then he goes, I, I think it's frozen now, so I'm going to reach under the, under the surgical bed, and I'm going to pull out my tool, and we're going to remove that mole from your face. What are you going to do in that moment? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down the hallway, and I'm going to be finding a new doctor the next day. Would you want your doctor, your surgeon, to do surgery on you with a reciprocating saw for a little mole on your face? No, you'd want your doctor to pull out a surgical knife. And with very precise precision just cut around that mole and underneath that mole and and then just with a pair of pliers just kind of lift that mole up off of your face and then just kind of sew it up and you want to hear these words well I don't think it's going to leave much of a mark and I think you're going to be very pleased with this versus well we remove the mole can't do much about repairing your face you're definitely going to see that for the rest of your life I mean, like, you're not going to go to that doctor ever again. You may even go to court with that doctor. What am I trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Some of you have been going around having conversations and relationships with the reciprocating saw. You have left damage in people's lives that will be for the rest of their life because you said too many words that led to sin that led to destruction versus listening with our mouth closed, praying, Holy Spirit, show me how to respond, and then responding with life-giving, surgical-like words that not only help the individual, but do not leave the person scarred for life. That's what I want to do. 
that's what I want to do. And I pray that that's what you want to do as well. Stop going around in relationship with the reciprocating saw. Start listening, reflecting, listening to the Holy Spirit, and responding in appropriate manner. Get rid of unnecessary words and listen with a closed mouth. And in that silence, pray, God, show me how to respond. And when Jesus responded, they were words of truth that he sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding on our behalf. How more hopeful can you get than those words? He will help us respond to others in the same way. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? We're going to pray here in just a second and the team's going to come back. If you're watching online, I would encourage you to do the same. (laughs) This is two parts. This is confession and a prayer for empowerment. I believe that Jesus forgives us and I believe Jesus empowers us. There are some in this room and some who have been watching online this morning where your words in relationships have been like the reciprocating saw. You've used far too many unnecessary words. You have not stopped to listen. You have not stopped to pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction on how to respond. And the damage that you have left behind is catastrophic. If that is you this morning on how you, you, you have used words in your past or currently using words, and you want to change that, but you want to seek, you're confessing and seeking forgiveness and asking for power to change, I'm going to ask you to stand right now and I'm going to pray for you that you would have the, the forgiveness, but also the empowerment that Jesus and his Holy Spirit can give. If that is you, just stand right now with our eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're at home, do the same thing. If you're in your living room, wherever you might be, just stand. It's your confession and empowerment. Lord, for those who are standing right now, we thank you for their life. And we do not know and do not need to know the words that have been spoken in the past that have brought damage. But we're asking that you would forgive those who are standing for using words that have brought destruction and maybe even death. And Lord, that you would forgive them and that you would now, Holy Spirit, empower each and every one of us through your your spirit to be individuals who stop and listen and ponder and reflect by the power of your Holy Spirit to respond in in a Christ-honoring, God-honoring way. Lord, we do not want to be known as people who go around with reciprocating saws like our words are like that. We want to be known as going around having life-giving words that come from you, empowered by your Spirit, that remove the necessary things from other people's lives that need to be removed, but also brings hope and healing and a stronger relationship. For those who are standing, Lord, empower them. Give them the ability to use words that are in a helpful and hopeful way. We thank you for being such a forgiving God, a gracious God, and an empowering God. As we go from this place today, may we be empowered by your Holy Spirit to speak Christ-honoring words in Jesus' name.